Hi, I'm Scotty Moore of the Fight Boys, and today we're going to be fixing All Out. So I just got done watching All Out, AEW's latest and kind of greatest pay-per-view, I guess. Um, and look, I know if you listen to the podcast, you guys know where AEW marks. We are huge fans of AEW. In fact, you could kind of separate the show into pre-AEW and post-AEW. And you could define that by when we were happy and when we were not happy. We do love AEW a lot. We love having that alternative but also that means we hold them to a higher standard, which is why I was not really disappointed by All Out, but because I believe uh, the quote we had was, how is it compared to a WWE pay-per-view? And as someone who just ranted for an hour about SummerSlam on our Patreon, in fact, that was kind of the pilot to How to Fix, uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's better than a WWE pay-per-view, but that's not the measuring stick we need to run against that's not what we need to do we need to hold aew to the standard of aew because if i've learned anything from that company it's that if there's an issue and it gets brought up enough they'll fix it i mean the dark order their debut was kind of a a weird thing and ever since it's become honestly one of my favorite parts of dynamite they they fix problems is what i'm excited about and that's kind of the reason i'm making this video just to show you how i could have fixed all out and i will start with the elephant in the room i think that the matt hardy spot really sucked the air out of the entire pay-per-view and that sucks because i was actually very very excited about that match and i feel like I, I believe one of my favorite twitter accounts boss Moz, put it correctly which is that after that the vibe was off for the whole show the vibe was off so let's start with the pre-show which was a pre-show it was fine uh the only w weird thing i really had was the fact that it was like 30 minutes of preview then two matches back to back i would have done one match in the first 30 and then a second match in the second 30 but outside of that they were perfectly serviceable matches um serpentigo versus janela was a good slog it was very nice uh the dark order look silver and reynolds in my opinion are the most underrated team in that division so i was very excited to get and see them get a pay-per-view debut the only thing i would really change about it is give a little bit of extra stakes to Serpentico versus Janela, and those stakes would be the winner gets inserted into the Battle Royal later. And the reason why I'm doing that is because that's going to give people incentive to buy the pay-per-view. If somebody likes Joey Janela, or, or at least during that match, Joey Janela proved himself as somebody who, ooh, I like that guy, and I want to see that guy more, and they learn, oh, he's going to be in the Battle Royal on the show, that may incline them to actually buy the show. So that's all I really have. Pre-show outside of that was perfectly fine. It was a whole lot of commercials for the pay-per-view with two all-right matches, which is all you need for a pre-show. Now on to the show itself. And I've switched things around a little bit. I've changed things because I thought, for one, Baker versus Swole 
was really weird to have at the beginning of the show. And I understand since it's a limited crowd, it's kind of okay to not do a live match starting out. But I just thought it was really weird to start off with that match. That was a really bizarre thing. Um, So actually, I moved that later into the show. And instead, I would open it with something that would really get the crowd going, really excite them, really pop them. And that's the Battle Royal, which I thought was a perfectly serviceable battle royal. I thought everything went really well during it. Uh, I thought Matt Seidel was a good surprise. I mean, coming from our show, we were really like, it's going to be Pac. No, it's going to be Nick Aldis. Or in my case, I was like, maybe it's Miro. Maybe Rusev. Like, or in my case, it was Chris Hero's coming. But I liked Matt Seidel because it, uh, they clearly have a plan of who they want to win. And it wasn't going to be the wild card and if you had brought in say a rusev say if you had brought in a nick aldis and they didn't win probably would have been a problem because it's like that's who should have went so i liked having matt seidel because he was a great person to bring in but also we all were like he ain't gonna win though he ain't gonna win so uh i liked all of that the only thing i would change i would just have kingston win instead of uh archer because i understand archer and moxley can have a great rivalry they can bring up the u.s title feud they had in new japan they can bring up all sorts of stuff with it but just i really want to see moxley fight eddie kingston in just like this most brutal of matches at full gear i really want i want them to make what happened between kenny and moxley last year look like kindergarten i want them to just wreck each other but you can't have what you want uh and that's it so up next uh i would have the bucks versus jurassic express which i'm not gonna lie we may have been ordering food and didn't pay attention to. But from what we heard, it was actually a very good match. In fact, I think, if I remember correctly, Dylan, uh, one of the co-hosts of Fight Boys, Dylan said that it was his match of the night. So that's good. And in all honesty, it's a great place in the card for that, too. It's just getting to see two teams go at it, go crazy, prove themselves. The Bucks got to win so they can move up the rankings so we can eventually build to them versus FTR. And Jurassic Express came out looking great. I Part of me almost wants the Bucks to seem more heelish, but it seems like they're moving towards a the Bucks are caught in the middle of Kenny versus Hangman, so they kind of need to stay tweener, I guess. But part of me also really wants them to do like the Shawn Michaels wanting to fight Undertaker desperation from them. So like seeing a little bit more heelishness out of it. But yeah, it was a perfectly fine match that was thrown in at the very last minute. That was that was honestly one of my big problems with All Out was looking at the card and realizing a lot of this was very, very last minute. A lot of it, like, because you had some, like, Guevara Hardy. You had stuff like uh, Swole versus uh, Baker and MJF versus Moxley that had been built up for months. And then it was like, oh, also the Dark Order are going to just fight four nerds for a while. So now on to match three. And I would do Hardy versus Guevara, a.k.a. the match that killed all out. So how do we fix that? How do we change it? And I know what you're saying take out that forklift spot just make them not murder matt hardy and it'd be fine nay i say nay throw the man from an even taller forklift but pre-tape it pre-tape it 
and put some pillows on the ground or whatever so that he doesn't break his head and you don't murder a man and then send him up a, a, a scaffolding to throw Sammy Guevara off of it. Uh, because I'll be honest, I like that forklift spot for what it was. It showed escalation. It showed the madness and brutality that these two were willing to go through. And it happened really early in the match. So who knows what we would have got had that spot not happened. Um, but basically, I would pre-tape it, keep everybody safe, and instead of having it start backstage, I would have it start in the ring. I would do something similar to one of my favorite Hardy matches, and I'm just saying this because I was there live, The Great War in TNA. It was them versus Decay. It started in the ring, then it went backstage, and then it started doing some fun pre-tape taped goodies and i think that would work really really well for this i mean matt hardy is the king of cinematic wrestling why not let him play into that so start the match in the ring have everybody at home think oh this is just going to be a basically a last man standing match which is what it ended up being so everyone's like okay broken rules isn't really anything but when you hear broken rules you immediately think well something's got to happen and it happens when they start brawling backstage And that's where things become pre-taped. And that's where we get a revisitation of their entire rivalry. Yes, we do the forklift spot. And honestly, I would have Matt start grabbing his head at that point. Because it... I'll be honest. If I didn't know I had just seen a man nearly die, there was a part in my head that said, Oh, this could become something very, very interesting. So have him grab his head and then have them revisit all of their great moments. Have Sammy start desperately throwing chairs at Matt. Have Sammy put him through tables. Have Sammy show a violent, vicious streak we've barely ever seen out of Sammy Guevara. And that's when we get the big spot. The spot they thought would be fun to begin the match with, I think needs to end it. He's got Matt broken. But Matt's still standing. Matt's still getting back up. And he's got Matt standing. And he grabs out handcuffs. And he handcuffs Matt to a massive standing pillar backstage. And turns. And like he can get in like kendo shots and stuff like that. It's just him trying to be like, why won't you die? Because he's unkillable. And then he turns around and he sees it. He sees the cart that caused him that caused him such great embarrassment. And Sammy stares at it with such vindication before climbing in it, backing up. And you see Matt and he's struggling and he's trying to escape and he's trying to get out. And then Sammy begins the forward ascent of that car rushing towards Matt Hardy, who's struggling and can't escape and he can't escape and he can't escape. And then crash. We see the car hit the pillar but what we do not see is matt hardy's body sammy stares in awe because it's almost like at the last minute he disappeared he backs up thinking maybe he's on the ground somewhere but he can't find him and then from behind him in the cart the face of broken matt hardy comes up like that the the thing they do with keith lee far too much where he's just like peers up it's that and he just starts laughing and sammy turns around and sammy's legitimately afraid this whole time this whole time uh, sammy's kind of thought he had the advantage because all of these supernatural gimmicks were gone it's now just matt hardy he had to beat and then broken matt comes out beats the living hell out of sammy guevara And then finally hits some big grandiose spot. 
that results in Sammy not being able to stand and Matt Hardy's position in the company being safe. So Matt, after his victory, uh, the ref like tries to raise his hand. He's like, no. And he turns and he goes inside and he walks past the golf cart and he walks, you know, basically back to the locker rooms. But we're going to do that thing in wrestling where the camera holds on something for just a moment too long and you realize something's up. So you see this shot. You've got if I'm trying to construct the shot in my head, you've got like golf cart here and then Matt walking away here. Matt turns a corner camera pans away and then next to the golf cart we see matthew hardy not broken matt hardy but matthew hardy so now that builds a big wait what moment in our audience's head mostly because i want to build to matt hardy versus matthew hardy versus broken matt hardy and yes i know it's ridiculous but if anybody can make it work it would be the godfather of cinematic wrestling you could have him uh versus him he it's basically like he goes into his own mind to try to destroy i can't get into it right now if you guys want to see me just do a full fantasy booking of how i would book matt hardy versus matt hardy comment below and let me know but i it would be buck wild uh so that match happens and now Dark Order versus the Baby Faces, which is just... I don't get it. Like, I understand. They're getting revenge. They're getting revenge for the fact that Cody was pinned clean in a match. Good work, y'all. And just, why would you have your team featuring your brand new TNT champion, one of the most dominant beatdowns we've ever seen in AEW, why would you have him lose at the very next pay-per-view? And yes, I understand. It's because they want to kick out colt cabana uh no you don't need to lose colt cabana is honestly one of the most intriguing people in the dark dark order because essentially he's like a celebrity scientologist who doesn't realize the weird stuff going on he's just happy to be there he's so great to be there and i think it's not the right time to cut him out what i do think it's the right time for though is basically to establish the dark order as the new elite and I know that sounds bizarre, but we've already seen the fact Hangman's out of the elite, so he's not going to be featured on BTE as much. Omega, who knows what's going on with him? He's not going to be there as much, which means it would just be the Bucks. And I love the Bucks. I don't want to see their diary. Instead, give the show to the Dark Order and let them become essentially a dark, maniacal parody of what the Elite was. I mean, we've already seen it a little bit. The Elite had their famous TGI Fridays. The Dark Order has chilies and we're starting to see characters develop in each member of the dark order we're seeing the goofiness we're seeing anna jay kind of being this confident carrying person we're seeing brody being this overbearing boss uno is doing the best work he's ever done in bte so let them become essentially what people were afraid the elite would become once uh, AEW started. Let them become megalomaniacs who try to make everything about themselves, insert themselves into places they don't belong in. Let them become the... Basically, what I want is a storyline that they would never do with the elite because the elites are the owners of the comp or not the owners but the vice presidents or whatever of the company so you can't exactly have the vice presidents come out and form like this evil corporation but you can have the dark order do that 
and it would be so enthralling because also every week you could learn more about each member of the Dark Order. It's already made Reynolds and Silver far more interesting. Uno is probably one of my favorite people in AEW right now, and you could do that for each individual character of the Dark Order, and they're already one of the best parts of AEW. They could become the best part if you do this with them. So... After that, we move on to a match that did not deserve co-main event. I get it. Chris Jericho's a big name. Chris Jericho doesn't need to be the co-main event. Y- you see, this match, in as important as it is, I get it. This is what's making Orange Cassidy a star. The match is still goofy. Like, it's still a ridiculous concept. And, like, that's what made Broken and Matt work so well, is that Broken Matt played into how goofy the scenarios were. This match didn't. It was like a normal match where there just happened to be two giant vats of mimosa next to them, which didn't work. I mean, the most exciting moment to the match for me was when Cassidy threw the mimosa in Jericho's face because I was like, oh, that's clever. It's making really good use of what's at ringside. You could have some fun stuff happen. I just wanted them to be a bit more clever and play into the the point of the match because it honestly felt like a normal wrestling match most of the time. Uh, if you wanted to get more brutal, I would have Jericho. I'd have Jericho really ham it up as a villain, like go full villain in this one, and even like hit Cassidy over the head with the baseball bat, get Cassidy bloodied. I mean, paying tribute to what he did on Dynamite, where he put the blood on the face. He did it again here. Have that happen near the end of the match. Have Jericho literally grab Cassidy by the hair. Cassidy is broken. And shove his head under the orange juice. He is trying to kill Orange Cassidy. And Orange is struggling. And Orange is struggling. He's trying to get out of it. And like you could see the blood clouding. Like it would be a really intense visual. And you see the arms go limp. And Jericho thinks he's won. And then finally at the last minute. Cassidy pushes himself up. Because he So the setup would be. Him at the edge of the pool, head being shoved down. Finally, last moment, pushes himself up. Jericho is dumbfounded. Like, what? As Cassidy Superman punches, or Orange Punch, whatever they call it now. Orange punches him through that table of champagne because they got rid of those far too early. Punches him through that, then just grabs him. And like like your friend throwing you into the pool you know that kind of like embarrassment of oh dang i got thrown in that's what the end of this match needed to be not jericho laying lifeless in this pool that didn't give you vindication it was just kind of sad to look at and by that point the show was so long which by the way make the matches shorter that's really and i understand they probably had to add on tack on a lot of stuff because of the hardy incident but make the show feel shorter because it was really dragging on at that point so have jericho get thrown in the pool and immediately start throwing a hissy fit think about when he got taken off of raw like kicked off of raw a long time ago he didn't go off like uh, triumphantly he went off kicking and screaming like a little child have him do that now and the vindication from the audience would be so much greater because you can sit there and mock jericho and you can look at cassidy and be like he finally did it and he embarrassed chris jericho but it didn't look like jericho was embarrassed it looked like jericho was dead and about to drown and that's just not fun and like we've already seen jericho being able to sell this fantastically like when the orange juice got dropped on him do that but in that swimming pool as cassidy walks off triumphantly 
So our next match is Baker versus Swole. And I put this here um, for tactical reasons, because the previous match had the apron get covered in orange juice. And so the apron had to get changed. And the show's already definitely running long. It's a nine match show. Uh, so we want we need to do a cinematic match that way while it's going on they can change the apron that was just like a tactical decision i had during the show because they it ended up taking a little bit too long to get to moxley mjf and i understand it's building up the quality of the main event but whatever so this match um kind of suffered from the fact that i don't know if baker's completely back yet i think they were just finally readying to pull the trigger on her match uh against swole they're like we can't keep continuing this so i don't know how full fully recovered baker is so i'm gonna play into that a little bit and uh, i initially wanted baker to win because i thought oh yeah she's back completely so have her win and then have her face sheeta at full gear but we're, i'm not sure about that right now so instead lean in to what i think was the greatest part of the match and that was the beginning have swole show up uber confidently like beat up reba just destroy her and then start to see the patient rooms and see little trails of blood leaving around them see even like fine teeth make it really demented and really really dark because that's where they were going and then it just became a normal somewhat comedy match but then also i've learned you just can't use in injections in wrestling it never works as the AEW champion so have it play into that creepiness and basically make a mini horror movie which is hilarious uh, thinking of the context because yes everyone's a little bit afraid of the dentist everyone doesn't not many people love the dentist so play into that play into that isaac yankum thing and then have baker basically stalking around until finally big swole all of that confidence she came in with is a little bit lost is a little bit unnerved what baker has set up has basically shaken her and she finally arrives at the door of dr Britt baker dmd she's at her office door and basically, if this was a horror movie, this would be the jump scare moment. And it would be the moment where Britt Baker comes from out of nowhere with uh, a laughing gas mask and shoves it in Big Swole's face and basically just tries to end it there. Get it to pass out. Because this plays into the kind of person Britt Baker is. She's very, very clever. She's very... If she could end a match immediately, she would. She does not want to fight here. She just wants to win. So if she put that gas mask off on she's gone you've unnerved her and then do that and then it would be over but of course we know big swole she will not do that so big swole comes back and we get a big fight throughout the office the only thing i would change is leave reba out of it because we're trying to build up this kind of creepy ambiance but also a sense of a little bit of desperation coming from baker and reba just kind of added this weird comedy aspect to it that i honestly think didn't work i believe the quote of the night came from uh shivani who's like she got a nanner on her head which is not what this match needed it needed to be a, a comeback and almost a little bit of a gimmick change for baker so we rush towards the end and baker is down and out big swole's about to get the victory and then that's when we finally have reba swoop back in and bash big swole over the head with a degree or whatever and takes her out because 
Reba's a real wrestler. I'm sorry, this is the one thing AEW's been doing lately that's messing with me. Reba's a real wrestler. Mark Sterling is a great damn wrestler. But instead, they're playing up like, oh, they can't wrestle. They can't do that. And it's like, don't don't insult my intelligence this way, AEW. I know they can wrestle. So show Reba, get a little vicious. And then throw Big Swole, who's still a little bit out of it. She's still a little knocked loopy from the uh, the crash over her head. And then you throw her into the dentist chair and then Britt baker pulls out an actual dentist's drill not a power tool aw because that's not how dentists work so she pulls out a drill and you see her go in about to just destroy big swole's face like literally going in going in going in and then last minute big swole straps the laughing gas mask around baker's head and she falls back and i don't think laughing gas makes you actually laugh but if it did oh my god having her maniacally laugh as uh as big swole shoots up and then just decks reba just takes her out and then you see uh uh baker finally get the mask off and that's when you get the elbow to the back of the head pinfall one two three end of the match fun silly but also a little creepy, establishes Britt Baker as more of a threat, a little bit more clever, a little bit more violent than we had thought before. But Big Swole still gets the shine in the very end because she had to. So now, this is the only part of the show that I'm a little upset about, is the fact that I had to do champion match, champion match, champion match. Uh, But it's just like, where would you put them? Paige and Omega and FTR definitely needed to be near the end. Moxley MJF needed to main event and... Sheena Rosa was the match of the night. Why Why wouldn't I put it near the end? So uh, next match would be Omega and Paige versus FTR. And I understand the elite are called the elite for a reason. They put on the best matches possible. Kenny Omega is known for no matter what situations he's in, putting on the greatest match possible. But in this match, it seemed like they were putting aside storyline for the sake of putting on an all right match because on paper it should have been a really good match but then there was just like a few things off and then it went too long and then hangman kicked out but then hangman just got pinned a second later it didn't really make much sense um but the story of this match was honestly simple to bring into the match hangman page is desperate to keep all of his friends together he lost them last nearly lost them last year nearly lost them in february and now he's desperately trying to keep them together and he's messing up every ounce of the way i i mean i know a lot of people are like hangman turned heel when he stopped uh stopped the young bucks from winning that gauntlet match no hangman page remembered what happened the last time he had to face the young bucks Hangman Page remembers how sad it was and what he had to deal with. He was trying to stop that, but then it ended up in him losing his friendships. See, that's all Hangman Page is doing right now. Hangman Page is lonely, and Hangman Page wants someone to be with. And he's unfortunately making all of the mistakes in the world to get there. And it's a beautiful, emotional story, and he's my favorite wrestler for that reason. Uh, Kenny going into this match, super overconfident. He's got a big arrogance about him, and FTR basically just sees this bomb readying to explode and is waiting to pick up the titles when it does. So basically have the match go a, a little bit shorter, roughly the same, have Hangman Page basically be the sacrificial lamb show hangman page 
sacrificing himself for Kenny, allowing himself to get beat down just so his friend doesn't have to take it. There was this beautiful moment near the end where uh, Kenny's about to get suplexed down into the ring and you see Hangman grab his leg much like he grabbed. I think it was Matt. Was it Matt? No, it was Nick. He grabbed Nick's leg. Uh, It was the same way. It was showing penance for what he had done. So he's doing that the whole time. And Kenny is basically just messing up every ounce of the way because of his overconfidence because of the fact that he was like oh i'm gonna win this match every time he gets in he ends up in a bad pinning predicament and it leads to hangman page getting hurt more and more and more so finish of the match uh hangman and omega have had a little bit of a comeback they've got whichever ftr member you want in the center of the ring and they start to go for the last call and hangman page much like he has done for the past month accidentally hurts his friend when he destroys Kenny Omega with the buckshot lariat. And uh, Hangman's the legal man, so you... I I really want this beautiful moment of Hangman's face, because Hangman's eyes are so expressive and just show the despair and the realization that he's done it again. He has accidentally destroyed a friendship, and he immediately turns around into a shatter machine which is called something else now, I can't remember, then picked up, pile-driven, one, two, three, FTR, the brand new champions, they celebrate, hooray, happy-go-lucky, but this is not their story, so get out of the ring. And I would have, I'd have it go mostly the same, I don't know why Kenny got a table, like, I understand they were trying to build up, like, the, oh, is Kenny going to attack? Will Kenny attack him? Like, yeah, but it's a table. And he's been in a lot of time trying to get the apron off the table. It's a little ridiculous. So instead, have uh, this moment where Kenny is genuinely disappointed. Like, don't tease anything. Make it exactly what it is. Portray honest emotion on TV. Don't try to swerve anybody. Show Kenny Omega staring down Hangman Page furious. And you see Hangman crawling to his friend, begging for forgiveness, standing up. And then falling forward and Kenny stepping out of the way and leaving him alone. And I'd have it end roughly the same after that as well. I'd have Kenny go to the back and leave while furious. The only difference is I wouldn't have had Kenny talk. Kenny's mad. Kenny's really mad. And I would almost show something snap in the head of Kenny Omega as he just stares down at Hangman. And we have this moment of like, is he about to attack Hangman? Is he about to do that? But no, just turns and leaves, walks to the back, goes to his locker room, steps in, and you see the Bucks look up at Kenny, and like Matt starts to talk, but then he stops. Because he sees something in Kenny's face, something he has not seen in a very long time, something that is terrifying. And honestly, this would be like a a, a one-shot long scene from uh, almost like an Oscar-winning movie. Because all you see is the back of Kenny Omega as he walks over to his bag, picks his stuff up, puts on his clothes, including a leather jacket, and then turns and walks to the outside. Whole time staying silent. And the once again, all we're getting is from the back. All we've got is the back of his hair. And we're seeing the people react to kenny omega the guy who would come in every week and talk to them about the latest episode of my hero or like talk to them about video games or be so personable and so charming we even get a shot of um oh i don't think uh riho's there anymore i if if riho was there it would be a great moment to see riho look and be utterly terrified 
And that's the same face everybody has. As Kenny walks out, goes to his car, puts on sunglasses, and then steps in and leaves. It is the introduction of the cleaner, Kenny Omega. A and I know he wasn't this much, but a silent assassin, a man who is hell bent on victory, a man who is hell bent on being the best this company has to offer. And for years, Kenny has let uh, friendship get in the way of that. He's let people like Hangman Page hold him back. The Young Bucks hold him back, but no longer. No one's holding Kenny back anymore. The cleaner is here and he deserves Not a bunch of teases, but just a fair introduction to the company. I Like on Dynamite, have him come out, attack somebody, whatever. Or, no, have Hangman Page basically call out the Bucks, call out Kenny, try to apologize to all of them. The Bucks are a little like, I don't know, and Kenny attacks. Full-on, cleaner attack. Honestly, I wouldn't mind the Bucks joining him. As much as I like this Bucks being caught in the middle thing, I just want that full heel trio being back. It'd be very good. Uh, So now next match, Shido Rosa. It was a great damn match. It deserved the main event, but I understand champions got a main event. So now we move on to the main event, Uh, Moxley versus MJF. And like I said, MJF fanboy on my side, uh, Moxley needed to win. I'm not mad that he lost uh, because it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It established MJF as an actual threat and not just a, uh, a shitty little kid talking garbage to people and whining. It established him as someone who could actually win and... It was supposed to establish Moxley as a very clever and wily champion. I don't know if it did that. I mean, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, honestly, I really did enjoy this match. I saw a lot of people on Twitter being like, it was really slow paced uh, because that's the kind of style MJF wrestles because that's the best way to get heat. That's why Randy Orton wrestles like a fr- like a fucking toad. It's, it's like you wrestle slow because people want to see the excitement. They want to see the big matches. They want to see the flips and cool shit and they want to see the violence. And if you're just got a if you just got a guy down in a headlock, that's not that interesting. And that's why the beginning of this match was a lot of moxley getting put into headlocks but then of course mjf got busted open he started getting desperate and that's when the match really took off and really got interesting so the only thing i would change about it is the ending because it's almost akin to drew mcintyre versus uh randy orton at SummerSlam. which if you listen to me on patreon.com slash load of bs talk about you'll know i was very upset about it because the whole point of that match the whole impetus behind drew mcintyre's motivation was you've done so much bad to so many people randy so i am going to kick you in the face and you will see it coming and then he won by a roll-up. He broke the rules of his own match. He A babyface went against his own word. And I'm like, that's not how that works. Uh, so that's kind of the problem I had with the ending of this. The whole point of this match was MJF saying, you can't win a thing without the paradigm shift. You are worthless in a ring without a paradigm shift. And then MJF beat John Moxley around the ring, nearly broke his damn arm. And the only way Moxley was able to come out scot-free was by using the paradigm shift. So 
in a way, MJF was actually kind of right, and it could have been fixed so much easier. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the, uh, at least at this point, in this big of a match, I'm not a fan of the diamond, dynamite ring. I, I think uh, if you had done that spot, it should have been earlier in the match. Maybe have him scramble for it, Moxley stomps on his hand, and then MJF hits a low blow or some shit. like Something like that. I think the ending needed to be a little bit more... I don't want to say clever, but like clever, vicious, whatever. If you do want to do a similar ending, uh, yeah, same thing. Have him drop the ring, scramble for it, and then feel a hand. Like you just see MJF's hand get crushed under Moxley's boot as he literally looks down, picks up the ring, which is a symbol of MJF's success. The majority of his matches were won because of this ring. In a way, the Dynamite Dozen Ring is MJF's paradigm shift. So he takes the ring, throws it out of the ring, so now MJF does not have his big equalizer, much like Moxley does not have the paradigm shift. MJF is furious, rushes him, and then immediately gets caught in a chokehold where Moxley's good arm is wrapped around his neck, and the bad arm is just above his head, above that scar, above that blood, uh, that incision, and just wailing on it and destroying him until MJF passes out. The uh, alternate way, my alternate ending, would actually be MJF completely down on his luck. He's used literally everything. I would have done the dynamite ring spot earlier in the match, so now MJF literally has used every single thing in his playbook. But he's not used everything in John Moxley's playbook. So Moxley gets to his feet. MJF picks him up, hits the paradigm shift on John Moxley, goes for the pin. Moxley passes or Moxley kicks out. And MJF is furious. He is screaming at the referee. He's screaming at Bryce when suddenly from behind gets caught in the chokehold, which we've already established Mox can win a match with from his match with Brody Lee. And Once again, elbows to the head until MJF passes out. And I know I know the concept of somebody passing out in a submission hold is kind of like, oh, they're so tough. They're so powerful. I can't believe it. They they held on with everything they had until they passed out. That's not the story we're telling with this. The story we're telling with this is that Moxley made him pass out before he had the opportunity to tap. Moxley was so vicious and so powerful that it forced it forced him to be knocked out before he could tap out. And it just shows another dangerous side to John Moxley and an even scarier side of him going forward. So yeah, that's how I would fix All Out. Remember to like, comment, subscribe, comment down below and tell me what you thought about it. And remember to subscribe for all that good Fight Boys content you crave. And we will see you next time.